Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Bullitt County, Kentucky. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. In September of 2020, Justin Burt disappeared from the driveway of his home and was never seen again. Eventually, one of his neighbors and friends made a confession about his violent assault and where she claimed to have taken him after. Her story changed over time and her husband was eventually arrested as well, but this year, everything changed. New progress was made in the case and a new path to justice began. This episode is going to be a little different than any other episode that we've done because today, Justin's family is going to be joining us to share their side of the story. Last month, I had a huge influx of case requests for a man named Justin Burt. His family had posted on the Bring Justin Home Facebook page to request that we cover his case. It was an obvious no-brainer, so I reached out to his sister, Chrissy, and she is just an incredible human being. One of the things that broke my heart instantly was when she told me that she had been a longtime listener of this podcast prior to her brother's death. There was never any part of her that thought one day she would have a murdered family member or that she would be on this podcast. Chrissy is such a strong, well-spoken human being, and I've gotten to know and love her over the past few weeks. And one day when we were talking, we tossed around the idea of her actually coming onto the podcast to help tell Justin's story instead of just me. You guys know that it is so important to me that our episodes are victim-focused and that we make sure to educate the public on the toll that these crimes take on the families of the victims. And I just think that Chrissy is an incredible person and has such a way with words. So Chrissy, you are a queen. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Chrissy. I am Justin Burt's baby sister. I'm a wife to an amazing man, a mother to three wild, wildly beautiful boys. I am 33 years old, and I live in Shelbyville, Kentucky. We love you. We love your husband because he is making this recording possible, and he's been a super great support system for you throughout all of this. I know you've told me a lot about that. Justin loved being an uncle. Can you tell me a little bit about him? Justin, he truly was one of a kind. If you knew Justin, you loved him. One of my favorite things about him, he had the this smirk. It was one of a kind, just like him. And his laugh would fill a room and it would make you laugh. He could never laugh around you and you not laugh. His demeanor was so lovable. He had a childlike heart. I would say Justin was definitely an extroverted introvert. (laughs) He was very shy to the point where he would not like to call and order pizza himself, even though it was over the phone. So we would always have to do that for him. He was so easygoing and adventurous. He loved anything with a motor, particularly fast cars and dirt bikes and motorcycles. I remember a lot of my childhood, he would take me riding. He's actually the one that taught me to ride. And that's still a huge love of my life today. He was so charming, loyal, so silly, forgiving, and he had way more potential than he honestly ever gave himself credit for. And he always looked for the best in people. He actually walked you down the aisle at your wedding, didn't he? 
Yeah. So him and my younger brother walked me down the aisle of my wedding. And (laughs) I remember because Justin doesn't like crowds. He doesn't like being the center of attention. He was walking down the stairs and all the photos we have are him looking at the ground because he's like, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. I'm like, no, you're fine. It's okay. (laughs) Some of the photos from your wedding are my favorite photos that I saw when researching this before I talked to you. He just looks so happy and you can tell how much that he loved you. Yeah. And he was very proud. Um, I remember him because he actually signed, um, he was a witness for our marriage certificate and he told me how proud of me he was. And Justin didn't throw out compliments a lot. So when he did, they were very special. Justin was super close to his little brother, DJ too, right? Yeah. He and DJ were like attached at the hip. I know DJ would tell me after everything happened that it was, you know, difficult for him because there were so many nights, even if, cause he worked night shift. So even if Justin had fallen asleep throughout the night, he had always set an alarm to wake up to greet DJ when he came home because they were that close. I love that. I remember when you told me that story the first time, just no matter what happened, he would always either stay up or set an alarm to make sure that he saw DJ before DJ went to bed for the night, even if he had already gone to bed. This podcast is sponsored by Green Pan. Hey guys, I am generally a pretty terrible cook. I try and I fail and I try again and you can guess what happens next. However, I recently got Green Pan's new slow cooker and I'm pretty sure I have mastered the art of the roast. And for Thanksgiving, I even made our homemade mashed potatoes in it. Green Pan makes the best ceramic nonstick cookware money can buy. They revolutionized home cooking way back in 2007 when they introduced the world to ceramic nonstick cookware, the first and best toxin-free alternative to cookware with traditional coatings. Green Pan launched their new slow cookers just in time for the holidays, which is what I have. It's the same beautiful cookware you know and love and can now make family-sized meals with a press of a button. When I tell you that cleanup was shockingly simple for mashed potatoes, you guys, I cannot stress this enough. It's like the slow cooker was trying to give me back any remnants of those potatoes. Like it was trying to help me clean the dishes. Very kind of it, if I do say so myself. I'd want to be clean too if I look like that. My husband is a kitchen appliance hoarder. I love you, but it's true. And it usually drives me bananas. But my green pan slow cooker gets a permanent spot on my counter. It's solid black with gold details and fits right in with our decor. My dad even mentioned something about how nice it looked when he came over for Thanksgiving. Green Pan's cookware is free of PFAS, PFOA, lead, and cadmium. Don't know what most of that means? I didn't either. All you need to know is that your cookware might be coated with forever chemicals, but green pans are free of all forever chemicals. If you're not sure which cookware is right for you, Green Pan actually has a quiz that guides you to the right choice based on your experience level, how often you cook, and what kind of stovetop you have. Green Pan also owns the factory, so while other companies create cheap products with cheap materials because, you guessed it, it's cheaper, Green Pan's products live up to their standards. That's why they won the 2023 Good Housekeeping Sustainable Innovation Award. And they've got a 60-day return policy, so you have plenty of time to make sure Green Pan is right for you. 
So toss those plastic pans and upgrade your cookware this holiday season with Green Pan. Head to greenpan.us and use promo code BIGMAD and you'll receive 30% off your entire order plus free shipping on orders over $99. That's right, 30% off. So head to greenpan.us and make sure you use our promo code BIGMAD or they won't know we sent you. All right, so this is going to come up a little bit later in the case, so I just kind of want to cover it now. Justin did have struggles with mental health at times, specifically bipolar and ADHD, and this is a soapbox that I will stand on as long as I'm alive. Justin was absolutely an incredible person. Yes, he was diagnosed with bipolar, and yes, he did have a pretty severe case of ADHD that did impact his ability to hold down a steady job, but it never impacted his ability to be an incredible person. I know that you mentioned he had a childlike mentality, and that's definitely going to come up a little bit later. That stemmed from bipolar and ADHD. He loved making friends. He loved acceptance. I know you talked to me one time about how you never knew how Justin was going to dress. He could dress like he was going to go play basketball, or he could dress like he wanted to be a cowboy for the day. And it was kind of a running joke, but but a fun one. And I feel like it really encompassed who he was in that childlike mentality and a little bit about how free he was as a person. I think you told me that Justin was basically like, yeah, this is who I am today. And I love it. It wasn't anything negative. It was just he was exactly who he wanted to be. And I think that there's something so freeing about that. But it will come up later that he was diagnosed bipolar and he did have ADHD. And that will have no bearing on what happened to him. We see it too many times in true crime where um, mental health is thrown into the case and people are seen as unsympathetic victims. And I think that it's a load of fucking shit. I think it's crap. I think a lot of judgments are thrown when we see a diagnosis. And here, you're going to hear about it. And it is in no way a negative part of Justin's life. It is a fact of his diagnoses. And that's it, period. There are no negative connotations that come with these diagnoses when it comes to Justin. He was an incredible person. He was delightful. He loved his family, but it will come up. Justin disappeared in the early morning hours of September 4th, 2020, but can you tell me a little bit about the night before? So the night before, he was at his best friend's house, which was just down the street in the opposite way. He was down there hanging out. He came back home. He started a fire because he loved making fires he would just find random things to burn and then a friend of his came over they hung up for a little bit his friend left and then that's when nicole had started texting him and who is nicole so nicole stivers was justin's neighbor her and her husband brandon had moved in i'm wanting to say about a year before everything had happened and they had just become friends not, I wouldn't even say a few months before everything happened. So it was all very quick. And they moved in across the street, right? So it was kind of garage to garage or garage to the side of the house. I mean, they were looking at each other if you came out of the house. Yeah, it was. So our garage came out to the side of their house, which was right by their front porch. So Brandon and Nicole across the street were actually married. And I ran a background on both of them. And while Brandon didn't have much of a history at all, 
Nicole was another story. She seemed to be a walking criminal red flag and not a nice one. Some of her previous charges were for alleged crimes that would have only impacted herself, but definitely not all of them. Brandon and Nicole got engaged on local TV. Apparently, they watched the news together every day, and Brandon reached out to them to help him propose to her. There was this whole segment on it, and it was a real bummer of a proposal. It seemed kind of like he let WDRB do all the talking for him and just knelt down on one knee in silence until Nicole said yes. I highly doubt WDRB ever thought that they'd be airing very different news articles about them a few years later. What do you think made Justin kind of bond with Nicole and Brandon the way that he did? I think because Justin just wanted to be accepted by people. It goes back to his childlike heart that we were talking about. He wanted to have friends. Since he wasn't able to work, he wanted to be around people a lot. So I think they befriended him because they knew that. And they kind of took advantage of him, in my opinion. You mentioned that Nicole had started texting him while he was out in the driveway that night. He had the fire going, and we know he had the fire going because you guys have a camera set up that overlooked where the fire was. What were some of the text messages that Nicole was sending him? So she started out that night asking if his friend was still over there, and he said, no, why? And she said, because she doesn't like people. She's more interested in helping them meet their maker which is a huge red flag. And then the conversation continues and she keeps asking, you know, if he's going to come over and sit with her. And then she starts saying that, like, she's scared, I guess, because her dog is barking and she thinks someone could be in her garage or her backyard. So she essentially asked Justin to come over and look. So he does. And then he comes back home. She asked if he saw anything She said that she has an alarm bell on her back door. And then she continues to say, I know you heard that dog, right? I'm not laughing right now. Why the fuck is my back door alarm going off? And Justin said, no clue. And then she says, why did you run for? Jerk, now I really want to fight you. So something happened when Justin went to check and see if there's someone over there or figure out why her dog was barking that freaked him out. So he came back home. And then after that, she continues to ask him to come back over. You know, you're supposed to have my back. What was that? It certainly wasn't him at the back door because his ass was knocked. Talking about Brandon, because she had said earlier in the day that he had been asleep. She just got him to sleep because he'd been awake for days, apparently. So she keeps insisting that he comes over, asking for help. The last time that she gets him to come over... She said, I don't know, maybe my battery is dying in it. I don't know, but it's never done that shit before. So at 1.51 a.m., she says, where did you go? And he says, I'm at my house. And she said, bring me a screwdriver, please. He says, okay. She says, I checked the back and shit, the stupid battery is dying just like I thought. Can you please bring me a Phillips screwdriver? And he says, okay, I'll be there in a minute. And then at 1.57, we see him walking over to their house with the screwdriver. And he texts DJ a photo at 2.03 a.m. It's a photo of their dog asking if he wants it, I guess, because the Stivers are getting rid of it. And you can see Nicole's leg in the photo. So we know for sure he walked across the street 
He went to their house and then he's never been seen or heard from since. Hey guys, cozy up in style this fall with the unmatched comfort of MeUndies. MeUndies has the softest and most breathable underwear and loungewear I have ever worn. I've been obsessed for years. Whether you're hustling during the work week or posted up on the couch watching a true crime documentary, MeUndies is here to keep you comfy. I actually got introduced to them a few years ago when my sister bought me a banana pair for Christmas because my sister is one of the coolest people I know. They are so comfortable in a way that I don't even know how to describe. It is the best fit in the best fabric. I love them. 10 out of 10 recommend for comfort and personality. From all black classics to fun seasonal prints and modern slash geometric shapes, MeUndies has a wide range of cuts that'll fit your style. But fear not, because MeUndies isn't just about underwear. They actually have a loungewear collection as well with cozy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and more. MeUndies signature tense micro-modal fabric is as soft as a warm snuggle from your favorite hoodie that you can't seem to part with. It's breathable, stretchy, and insanely comfortable, making it perfect for all-day wear. MeUndies fabrics are light and breathable to help regulate your body temperature, so you really do stay cool and comfy all day long. They use sustainably sourced materials and work with partners that care for their workers, which we love. And if you're not happy with your first pair of undies, it's on MeUndies. To get 20% off your first order plus free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash BigMad. That's MeUndies.com slash BigMad for 25% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. So a lot of these times, based on her reactions to when he left, it almost seemed like he didn't have any communication with her. He just went over and checked on something and came back because she was like, where did you go? Or I know you heard those dogs or something like that. It almost seems like every time he went over, he didn't necessarily make contact with her, though some of the times it does seem like he made some kind of contact because she was reacting to something we don't totally understand. Like, you know, I'm not laughing or I really want to fight you now, which is such a strange escalation of all of this because she's asking him to come over for the dog barking or somebody at the back door or whatever else she's making him now needing a screwdriver. It seems like Justin was addressing every single thing that she texted him and she maybe wanted something else and was hoping that when he would come over, it would turn into something else. And it didn't. So she sent another text hoping that this time it would go the way she was planning in her head. Yeah. And it makes no sense because if you're actually scared that someone might be in your garage or your backyard or the dog's barking at something, if your husband's at home, wake him up or call the police. Like, why would you keep insisting that Justin come over? If you think there's a potential for something dangerous to happen, like, why not just call the cops? Yeah. Wake up, Shrek. You're calling your neighbor who's having like a fire outside. Like obviously nothing insanely dangerous is happening because there's other neighbors literally within plain view of your house. And you would think that he could hear the dog from his house. It's right across the street. And do we know what brand of alarm this was? I actually have no idea. So we have the ring. I can make it go off from my phone. So that would be interesting. And this is something in the case where we've seen in other cases 
where if an alarm is actually going off, it's registering within that system. So the police department would know whether or not it actually ever went off or if it was pushed to go off. Like I can, from my phone, pull up my app. If I see somebody sketchy in my yard, in my driveway, at my front door, I can make an alarm go off and I can also turn it off. You know, that's something I never thought of before. And she was like, where did you go? So if she is asking that, it sounds like he never actually spoke to her that time. He just went over to check it out. So I'm wondering if it was a camera system and she watched him leave. And that's why she was like, oh, where did you go? Probably thinking he's going to come see her now. Obviously, he didn't. He just went back to the driveway. So I wonder if she watched him come over on the camera, saw him check out whatever she asked him to check out, and he walked away. And she just assumed he would come and see her, but that wasn't happening. He was just addressing the problem and going home because that's who Justin was. Okay, you have a problem? I'm going to address it. If I can fix it, I can, and then it'll be done. It all goes back into her like enticing him to come over because if he were scared, like, wouldn't you watch him check it to make sure that he did it or follow him around like this is where I heard it? Like do something other than just, hey, come check it. I'm going to hide in my house. Yeah. And a lot of these alarm systems, if it's going off without your help and you pushing it, there's a threshold of they're going to contact the police on your behalf. And it definitely doesn't seem like she wanted police involved in this at all. No, she definitely did not. And I know that if my battery is low, an alarm is not going off. It's just not working anymore. I feel like there's so much more evidence to learn about when this goes to trial. And I bet that that alarm system or camera system, whatever it was, is going to be a huge part of it and just disproving her story and those texts that she sent to Justin. So Justin lived at home with your mom and DJ, and all of this happened while your mom was actually out of town and DJ was at work because he worked the night shift. What was the first hint that something was wrong the next day? Like, who was the first person to notice that something just wasn't right and Justin was missing? So I think it was several people all at once. Justin did not go more than a few hours maximum without talking to my mom or his friends. And my mom was out of town taking care of my grandmother at that point. And she had the thought like, that's weird. I haven't heard from Justin incessantly today. And I guess at that same time, his friends were trying to get in touch with him and they couldn't. He wasn't answering his phone. It was going straight to voicemail. They showed up at the house, knocked on the door. He didn't answer. So then that's when they got in touch with my mom and it started becoming real at that point. And my mom immediately came home. In the beginning, was it more so kind of a worry or was it immediately, okay, this is 100% not right. Something bad has happened here. This is so out of character. Or was it more so just concern that led into this kind of deep worry? So I think it was pretty immediate worry because it was so out of Justin's character. I mean, nobody had talked to him from the time he went over there until I think my mom was home at 11 a.m. the next morning, and it was a two-hour drive for her. So the very next morning, nobody had heard from him. He wasn't answering the door. Even if Justin had been like out all night and somebody showed up, he'd be like, heck yeah, there's people here. Like, let me go answer the door. And he didn't do that. At what point did you guys decide that it was time to officially report him missing? That day, actually, we tried getting in touch with Justin. 
I immediately went to Facebook asking people if they had heard from him. I had tried getting in touch with Brandon and Nicole via Facebook because I did not have their phone numbers. And after a while with no responses, we said we were just going to try to get in front of it and file a missing persons report. The first officer that showed up that day, he was a bit dismissive. He said, you know, Justin's a grown man, you know, grown man can leave and, and do what they want. He's not on any life-saving medi- medication, so I can't file a report for you at this time. And just so everyone knows, that's absolute bullshit. If a police officer ever tells you that, that he can't file a report, that's false. You can file a report after five minutes if you want to. Unfortunately, this does get perpetuated in a lot of police departments or just in general, people think because they've heard it that if somebody hasn't been missing for more than 24 hours or 48 hours, they can't be reported missing. Not true at all. And it pisses me off every time I hear this happen. Didn't he ask you guys if Justin had any diagnoses? Didn't bipolar come up in this conversation somewhere with that officer? Yes. He had asked, you know, what kind of things Justin does. Mom mentioned, you know, that he wasn't able to work. So he just hung out with his friends. How he was bipolar and he had ADHD. And I feel like I remember just seeing like his eyes glaze over like, oh yeah, well, it's because he's bipolar. So I'm definitely not going to file a report for you. I hate this so much. It, it happens everywhere. I wish that all of true crime was better than this, but it's not. There's the, what we talked about earlier where people just put someone in an unsympathetic victim category because of a diagnosis or a past or a history or something like that. And we are never our diagnoses. We are never the sum of our worst moments. Justin was an incredible human. I have scoured the internet. I've talked to you. You've reached out to so many people who were just so ready and willing to record a statement about how much they love Justin. Justin left this incredible impact on every single person he ever met. No one, not a single person has had anything negative to say about him. It makes me want to light the world on fire knowing what you were going through in that moment and feeling like you could spot the moment in time that that officer's give a fuck left his body and how helpless and hopeless that had to feel for you at that moment. As frustrating as that was, you guys actually wound up calling again, right? And a different officer came and spoke to you? That's correct. So after that didn't go well, we decided to wait for a little bit. I'm pretty sure he had mentioned the whole 24 hours before you could file a report. We actually called. I don't remember what time it was, but it was dark outside. So it was either that same night or early into the next day. And He filed one, but he made sure to let us know that if they found him, that they couldn't make him come home. All they could do is tell him that we were looking for him. And at that point, you would have given everything to even have that peace of mind, wouldn't you? Yes, absolutely. We were very thankful that he took it. From the very beginning, did you guys have a feeling that the neighbors had something to do with this or did that kind of evolve over time? I wouldn't necessarily say either. It was kind of somewhere in the middle. I know that the day after, I believe, so September 5th, my mom had called Nicole and was asking, you know, what time Justin left, you know, what had happened. She hadn't seen him and she got kind of weird vibes from it. 
And then we found out they hadn't come home. Brandon had got fired from work. Nicole was at Brandon's work where she was no longer employed. Asking people, we heard two different stories that she was asking people to help her set her car on fire so she can get insurance money. And she had also allegedly asked for help cleaning blood out of her trunk. And this is directly after her neighbor goes missing. She stops coming back to her house and she claims that she has no idea what happened to him. Definitely not looking good for her there. Yeah, the suspicion is there. Hey guys, the holidays are tough and I am not in the business of giving boring gifts, but shopping for 1,127 people is hard. I'm always looking for the perfect sentimental gift, which is why my go-to is always the Skylight Frame. Skylight is a touchscreen photo frame you can send photos to straight from your phone and they appear in seconds. You can even preload photos before the box is opened, so when it's unwrapped and plugged in, those adorable photo memories are already displayed. It sets up so easily within 60 seconds, so even the least tech-savvy can do it. You can upload photos from the unique Skylight email or the Skylight app, and multiple people can send photos to one frame. I gave one to my mom, and all of her kids can upload photos of every single one of her grandbabies. It is the perfect gift for everyone, whether you're shopping for your spouse, your grandparents, new parents, or even for yourself. There's no such thing as too many photos, and it is so much easier than trying to keep up with everyone's social media accounts, saving a ton of screenshots, and trying to figure out which ones to print. It's honestly just a bonus that it's actually adorable and now comes in more color options than really ever. Like black, white, silver, gold, and limited edition poppy, which is an orangey-red color and it is the perfect pop of color. With over 1 million happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, available in over 30 countries, and recommended by The Today Show, Forbes, New York Mag, and more, I have no doubt that you're going to love the Skylight Frame just as much as I do. But just in case, they do offer free 120-day returns. As a special limited-time offer for our listeners, get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com big. To get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com big. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash big. Your mom actually started getting some pretty weird texts from Nicole too, didn't she? Yes. So after mom and Nicole had had their phone conversation, she had told mom that her, she was in Ohio, but her phone was dying. So she couldn't, you know, she couldn't talk. And then she starts texting my mom after that with some pretty strange claims, you know, that Justin, he had a lot of money that night. Like I wonder if he robbed someone, maybe he checked himself into rehab or, oh, hey, now that I think about it, there was a guy at your all's house that night. Just very random, completely different things. And we just got a weird feeling. That's interesting that she mentioned that there was a guy at the house that night because 
didn't his friend actually come over when the fire started to hang out with him? Yes. So we knew it was, that's who she was talking about. And we followed up with the guy and, you know, got the timeline and the things she said he was wearing. It's so we verified that it was him, but it, it just seemed odd to us that she's throwing out all these different explanations for something. What also points out that she was watching, which is interesting because your driveway where this fire happened, um, it was like a little fire pit that you could bring out. She was watching it, even though her porch faces a different direction. Because you guys look out to the side of their house. So she had been watching him prior to her even texting him. Yeah, I did not even think about that. That did not cross my mind until you just said it. I, I, you've left this part out when we talked before. What the hell? <laughs> well, look at this. You mentioned that Nicole told your mom that Justin had some big bills with him the night before. And we know that's likely horseshit because your mom actually handled Justin's finances, didn't she? She did. Mom handled Justin's finances because with his diagnoses, he wasn't able to hold a job. So he did collect disability and mom would give him money for his cigarettes each week. Or if he wanted something, he would go to her, Hey, this is what I need this for. She would give it to him. She never gave him a lump sum, any big bills, nothing like that. You mentioned Justin said, oh, you know, if I want this, I'll go ask mom. He wasn't somebody who wanted a lot. So can you just tell us a little bit about the things that he might want, whether it was like a snack or a shirt or something? It was never anything huge. No, it was mostly, it was honestly mostly fast food because he, he was a good cook, but he didn't like to cook. So normally anytime he wanted money, it's so he could like run up and get a chicken or, or a taco or something. Yeah. So there was never a point in time where he would ever just have big bills lying around. He might have $10 of McDonald's money. Right, right. Your mom's spidey senses were immediately going off after this conversation, but there were a couple more things she said that kind of made her question, Nicole, what were those? Nicole had texted my mom and let her know that she had wrote Justin and let him know that if he was doing this on purpose, that it was not cool and she was going to kick his little butt and just trying to reassure my mom that she loved Justin and she would do whatever she could to help us find him. In the end, she was literally the least helpful person in this entire case, correct? The very least helpful person. Yeah, only followed closely by her husband. So Nicole at this point is saying that she's going to be Wonder Woman and help you throughout this process any way that she can because in her eyes, Justin is doing this on purpose and she's going to kick his little butt. So did she ever actually come back to the house at any point in time? No, not that weekend, not the weeks following. They actually left in such a hurry. We found out later that they had some type of lizard and a bird that they left there and both those animals died. So they were avoiding the house so strictly that they allowed pets to die? Yeah. That's an insane level of fucked up. And if the suspicion wasn't already on them, like, it is now. Yeah, because if you didn't do anything, why would you just up and leave? Why would you let your animals die? And because you saw a bunch of different people come to the house instead of them in the days and weeks after, but never them, right? No, they were never there. Who did wind up coming to the house? So I know after everything happened, people we recognized, we knew 
who they were in Brandon and Nicole's lives came over, but they were never there. We never saw their vehicle there. It was just their their friends and family that had been coming by. And a weird dude showed up, right? And even asked you for help getting into their house? Yeah. Um, I wasn't there for that one, but mom said he came down the road hustling and then was trying to get in the house. And then of course, since there was somebody over there, my mom marched right on over there and like, who are you? Where's Brandon and Nicole? And he had told her that he was house sitting for them, but his key didn't even work to get into the door. So it was really weird. Yeah. It's bizarre. And especially to ask you of all people, it's almost like he didn't even understand maybe why he was being asked to go there. If he was going to ask your family of all people for help getting into that house. Yeah. Like, Hey, um, help me get into this house. It doesn't make any sense. We're still in like the first 10 days of this. Did you guys get any more phone calls or texts, either you or Justin's friends from anyone else associated with Nicole or Brandon, even if it was weird numbers you didn't recognize? Yes. So I think within the first two days, Justin's best friend, DJ and myself had all started to receive ransom text messages, people claiming that they had Justin and we would have to pay to get him back. What did those text messages say? They would say that, you know, he's sick and he needs to be taken to the hospital, but he's not going to get help unless you're willing to pay. And then a lot, there are some that were quite a bit more graphic, but we would ask like, Hey, if you have them, like send us a picture of them, let us hear his voice. And they would never do that. So we didn't take it as like, they actually had him. I think it was people trying to extort us. And you guys told the police about this, right? Yes. We uh, gave them all the text screenshots and the numbers. What did they say when you showed them? They said that unfortunately this kind of thing wasn't uncommon. And that's kind of about it. And that's true. I've seen this in so many different cases. It blows my mind that this truly does happen over and over. Did they try and run these numbers at all or give you any information? Or was that kind of in the backseat? What wound up happening there? As far as the numbers go, I think that when they had, you know, checked them in their system, a lot of them, or not a lot of them, all of them came up as fake numbers that you can make through, you know, third-party apps. Yeah. On September 15th, Nicole contacted you personally again. So tell me a little bit about this situation and that phone call that you got from her. So I was at work and the job I had at the time, it was on a production line making vehicles. I had a few missed calls from a private number and I kind of looked at my counterpart and I'm like, I'm getting a weird call. Like, can you cover me? And I walked off the lot. When I was finally able to answer it was actually Nicole. And it was a very brief call. She had told me that her mom said that she needed to reach out to us because we were worried. She had asked me what was going on at her house, which I thought was really weird because if you're so worried about how we're feeling, why would you ask about your house? And then she had went on to say when I asked her, you know, what happened that night? When's the last time she saw Justin? She had given me the story that Justin left and he said he was going to come back and he never did. And I specifically remember when I was on the phone with her trying to be calm 
as angry and worried as I was because I didn't want to lash out and her shut down. So I said, like, we know something has happened. We know something is wrong. And I even went as far as to say, like, even if it was something accidental, like, we just need to know where he is. And then I lost it and I started crying. And that's when she had told me the story about how they were in rehab and her and Brandon both were in rehab and that she could only get a two minute call per week, but they had apparently been doing really well. So maybe she could talk to the director about getting more phone privileges. So I tried figuring out, you know, what rehab is she supposedly at? What state is it in? Where is it at? And then when I asked those questions, she started to say something and you could hear, it sounded like a strong air conditioner or wind in the background. Like it did not sound like she was inside of a facility at all. And then she started to say something and then she hung up on me. And that call was about two and a half minutes. It was not two minutes. This podcast is sponsored by Soul. Hey guys, ever lay in bed trying to fall asleep, but you can't because your brain is a hamster running on a wheel of random topics, like wondering how they get bridges to stay in place above water, how they get cartoon characters to move like real people, and a full rehash of your most embarrassing moments. If so, welcome to the club and let me introduce you to Soul. Soul was founded four years ago by sibling besties Mike and Angie Lee. Mike is a former world-ranked pro boxer and Angie is an author and professional speaker. The two came together and decided they wanted to make natural alternatives to medication for things that they deal with every day, like sleeplessness, anxiety, focus, and pain. I'm currently loving Soul's best-selling sleep aid, Sleepy. It's helped over 6,000 customers fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and wake up feeling refreshed, myself included. Sleepy is jam-packed with the highest quality ingredients, and it tastes amazing. Plus, it comes in three different varieties, blueberry lemonade, raspberry lemonade, and honey chamomile. So you can finally enjoy a sleep aid that tastes much better than any of those other products you have choked down in the name of health. And Soul makes a lot more than just sleep products. Whether you're looking for stress relief, enhanced focus, or pain relief with or without CBD, Soul has all your wellness needs covered. Obviously, I love their sleepy product, but so does one of my best friends. She has trouble staying asleep sometimes. She will wake up all throughout the night. I had a bunch of sleepy on hand, so I let her try it, and she said that she didn't wake up once. The company is great, the packaging is adorable, and the product does what it says it's going to do without tasting like feet. And you guys know that I'm all about trying anything I can before heading down the medication route, so this has been perfect. Soul is setting the new standard in CBD products. Every batch of Soul undergoes multiple rounds of stringent third-party lab tests to ensure their products have an accurate dosage, plus no heavy metals, pesticides, or harmful bacteria, which is a big deal. If you're not sure which Soul product is right for you, they have a quiz that guides you to the right choice based on your CBD experience level, age, and what issues you're trying to solve. And Soul is grown right here in the USA, organically farmed, and gluten-free. It's time to get the sleep you deserve. Head to GetSoul.com slash BigMad and use code BigMad for 20% off your order. That's 20% off your order using code BigMad. One last time, GetSoul.com slash BigMad and code BigMad for 20% off.
This is one of those stories that you told me, and I think that it just goes to show how strong of a person you are. Your brother is missing, and and you're fearing the worst at this point, and you're almost being your own detective, and you're talking to someone that you think is involved in whatever happened to him, and you're trying to hold it together. You're trying to get more information. You're hearing bullshit come out of her mouth, like, oh, I was waiting for him, but he never got there. You know that he sent a text after the last time he was seen on the camera that was her dog and her leg is in the photo. So you know she's lying to you. And you're actively going through all these thought processes in your head of, okay, what can I call her out on? What can I not? How can I temper her emotions so that I can try and get more information? This is one of the reasons that I wanted you to tell this story because you have a way with words in really showing everyone what it's like to be in your position. It's an impossible position to be in, but you have gone full superhero in handling everything that's been brought your way. I can't imagine what it was like. I'm sure that phone call lasted just a couple of minutes, but it's probably in slow motion in your brain like it was two hours. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that's going to be in my head forever. I remember the sound of the wind or AC, I remember thinking how normal of a human she sounded and that it gave me the ick. And I remember sitting in, cause I was breastfeeding at the time. So I went into the breastfeeding room for the conversation. And I remember I was in there for a good 45 minutes afterwards, just trying to get myself together because I knew my partner out on the floor was covering me and I could potentially get fired for just walking off the line the way that I did. And I cannot get myself together. And then thankfully when I went back, everybody was super understanding because they knew what was going on and nobody said anything. And the day just continued for them. The rest of my day was filled with like anxiety and like tears as I was working. I can't believe that after this life event, which is going to be a huge part of your life forever, you literally went back to work. Yeah, I had I had just started, I'm wanting to say four months prior, maybe. And I think that was one of the hardest parts for me personally after everything happened is knowing that I still had to go to work and be an employee and support my family when my days were just it was honestly it, it kind of felt like torture because I'm sitting here around these people who it's just a normal day and I'm so in my head and I can't get off my phone because I keep, I'm wanting to message people. I'm wanting to do my own research, see if I can find out any answers, thinking of ideas we can give the police for things that they can do. And it was so fully consuming in every single moment of my day. If I wasn't thinking of something I could do to help, then I was dealing with my personal emotion and it was exhausting. I think this is such an important thing for people to hear. Like we hear about the investigation and the parts of the case that apply to a victim and their family, but I think it gets lost sometimes that your life is also taking place and the lives of everyone around you is taking place. Like your world has stopped, but it's also still spinning and everyone's life around you is going on as normal and you're just trying to exist in it. Yeah. And the existing part was hard. I'm not a patient person. I'm not a sit around and wait kind of person. 
if I have an idea or I get a thought in my head, I'm fully committed to that. And I think that's why I took on so much of the investigation and getting information in the beginning is because not only did I have to do that for myself so I could feel like I was doing something to help, but I would hope that if something, God forbid, ever happened to me, that I would have someone that loved me who would do that for me also. Well, rest assured, you have a handful and a half of people who would burn the world for you, me including. All right, guys, this is the end of part one, and part two will be coming out next Monday. Chrissy was a huge fan of our blooper days, so in honor of her, we're going to drop some of our recording bloopers at the end of this episode for your listening pleasure. Enjoy, my friends. For photos pertaining to this case, check out Justin's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there today at noon Eastern, where you go live with me and we talk about today's case and all other true crime cases on your mind. To get ad-free and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just two whole dollars a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. And Spotify just started a whole thingy with Patreon. So if you listen on Spotify, you should be able to see the Patreon banner there and listen to your Patreon episodes on Spotify now and not in the Patreon app. If you love this podcast, feel free to leave a review. It makes my day every single time. And if you have a case you'd like to hear covered, share it with Big Mad True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by listener request. Next week, I'll be bringing you part two of this case. And I cannot wait. But until then, we out. The chair is talking. <laughs> okay. Excuse me. <coughs> Same. I think I have a talking cough. You're getting it too. It's contagious over the computer. Ooh, wouldn't <laughs> that be some shit if it's like 2024, people's infections are contagious over the internet. We should spread that so just social media dies. <laughs> Everyone stay off the internet as the flu's going around. <laughs> I have to burp. I'm so sorry. When I talk a lot, I get the burps. I think I have to burp now, too. (laughs) Feel free to burp as loud as you Okay. Okay. Maybe it was, I just needed to clear my throat. Uh, I just completely, it's like I go to get a thought and then I look at the screen and it just like seeps out of my ear holes. (laughs) My CD's back on track now. I'm bottling. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, actually, I don't really like him. Okay. So we'll leave that out. Kyle, take that out. Fuck that guy. He was a bitch, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It gave me the ick. My mom's going to be like, Chrissy, what the is the ick? <laughs> No, we love we love how how Chrissy you are right now. <laughs> I'm getting all giddy. You're doing so good. You're doing so good. Holy sh! Yeah, we're getting angry. Hey Siri, if you want to dress up like a cat today, dress up like a cat. Dun dun dun. All right, I'm gonna stop the recording when we talk. <laughs>